it's lights out, and away we go. Welcome to an American's Guide to Formula One. Now let's start the show. Welcome to another episode of An American's Guide to Formula One. I'm your host, Andy Lewis. I'm joined via the telephone by Papa T-Sauce, a.k.a. Spicy Ketchup, a.k.a. Tim Lewis. Hey, Dad, how you doing? That's me. Good, Andy. How about you? I'm good. It's been a long couple weeks, and it's getting longer. Um, sorry for yeah. the delay getting episodes out. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty busy, hectic time for the Lewis clan. Um, and we, we tried to do an in-person recording and it just didn't work out. And then I was traveling and it's just been a lot and we're not going to bore you with the details, but we, um, we're going to do a, a brief recap of Spain. Um, and then we'll dive right into Canada. Um, and then we have a little bit of F1 news to discuss at the end. Um, so we're going to dive right in with España. I mean... Me and Dad t- talked about it too, and we were just putting it on hold because there wasn't a lot to talk about, was there, Dad? Well, you know, um, I would say it was qualifying was qualifying was really strange, different. Yeah. It was not your typical uh, outcome that you would expect, but so that kind of mixed things up a little bit. And, but the bottom line is, Red Bull. Red Bull rises to the top, and and I mean, I would say there know. was there was quite a bit of action, but we'll kind of go through that. Um, we're just going to. I want to say Red Bull, Red Bull rises to the top, but Red Bull oh. via Max Verstappen, Red Bull gives rose you to the top yet again. I mean, Sergio yeah, did okay, well, better than he did in Montreal. But, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll just Checo go. Had his wings clipped, quippy clipped. Um, we'll talk about clipped. Checo more later on. Um, so nothing to say about Sargent except he's, his really good start to the season has petered out to being consistently the last place and, uh, ever put been, you know, gapped by Albon. Botas had another crazy bad race, um, due to some damage early on. Um, mm-hmm. same with Lando Norvit, Norris. I mean, it, it really shows the, the pace of the, or, or the problem with um, that McLaren is that how can you qualify in, on the front row and end P seventeen? Um, I guess. Yeah. To I guess, be clear, to be clear, he was uh, he qualified on the second row in P three, but might as well be oh, yeah, in the I'm front sorry. row for Lewis because it. McLaren really. Um, uh, no, are we looking at Spain? Oh, sorry. Yeah, it was Carlos Sainz. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I was I, yeah. I was looking at race results. I'm sorry. Oh, there you go. Okay, now we're on the page, baby. Yeah. And so, but that's just the. I mean, that's awesome. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, it's not awesome that you can qualify P2 and then end at P17. That's a huge problem for McLaren, and right. they definitely need to but, do something. But I think that was that that P2 came from just the McLaren being a fairly okay qualifying car on the right circumstances. And those were just like ideal circumstances that, and, and Lando Norris is an incredible one lap driver. If it's, if he has the uh, machinery underneath him and he did for that 
really split second of qualifying for that window, the track was just came to the McLaren. It wasn't that the McLaren was fast. And you saw that when conditions and race day were, were different, the McLaren showed its real pace. And that is the second, second slowest car, third slowest car on the grid consistently. Um, well, and yeah, and remember, uh, Piastri was a top 10 qualifier. He, he went through to Q3 as well. Well, that's so, what I'm saying. The The car so was McLaren, in the right that, window, but then that yeah. also shows you the gap from Austria, Piastri to Norris is pretty much three-tenths. So, uh, let's see. It's fine. It's not that important. We need to move on anyways. Uh, uh, more like a more like a second. Yeah. Close to a second. Uh, and Piastri actually ended up doing better in the race. He finished all the way up mm-hmm. to 13. So, but mm-hmm. Norris did get da- that damage on the opening lap as well. He ran in right. to the back of Hamilton. Yep, that kind of wrecked his day. And then Sainz got his penalty as well after qualifying. That's why he went mm-hmm. back. Let's see. Who else do we need to talk about? We do need to talk about Joe and Sonoda. That was some of the most action-packed. I think that was by far and away the in-drive race um, or in-race drives for the back midfield. I don't think we've ever seen a better Span- Spanish Grand Prix in that regards. Um, it just wasn't that exciting of a race because Max ended up winning <clears throat> by – half a second or half a minute 24 24 (laughs) seconds but it was kind of like once you settled max and that max was going to win the rest of the race was actually pretty decent um as far as a spanish grand prix goes as far as wheel to wheel racing in an era where there's no passing i think there was like 200 passes or overtakes or something like that in this race um yeah it was exciting that way and and joe drove just exceptional i thought Well, yeah. Qualified P13 and finished P9 in the points and battled his way the entire way, just superbly, I thought. Well, that that was some awesome racing that that, uh, we watched. There, as you mentioned, toward the end, there was Joe and Sonoda. Um, and, uh, that was, like you said, that was good stuff. Unfortunately, I think Sonoda got ripped off being penalized. I think it was, um, I think they had to, I think they've established that rule to this point and and had to penalize Sonoda. Do I think that it was necessary or should be there? No, I, I think those are racing incidents and I think that's been our argument from the podcast all along. This goes back to, you know, Austria 2021 with Hamilton, you know, like we've been mm-hmm. dealing with this for so long. Um, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm just happy. I, I don't really care anymore. I don't think he should have gotten penalized, but in the era of penalties, you have to be consistent and they were consistent. I think, I don't think Joe, yeah. I'd have to look back, but to me, it looked like he was entitled to more room, but as a 
somebody else pointed out that Joe was on full or uh, Sonoda was on full lock. It's not like he opened the opened up. I think it was just that's what happens with really good wheel to wheel racing. And I mean, I don't think he deserved a penalty because I don't think Joe was going to make that turn anyways. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and then when you look at the five, you go five seconds up, and you're now talking in the region of P eight, P nine. That's a bummer. So, yeah. And and Sonoda so, drove so well, and he has been driving well, and that was the finish that he was that he's been really des- been owed for a while. And you saw he got really emotional in the, and like mm-hmm. and rightly so. I mean, that was the. I think Joe is um or sorry Sonoda has been absolutely out driving that Alphatari this year and really cementing his position in F one. Um. He's been a question Agreed. of me, but I think his the the amount of uh, initiative that he's put in to take over for Gasly, um, I had real big concerns about him, and I think he's disproving them. And it was hard to see him take that penalty, but yeah, um, definitely oh. another decent points all for Ocon. And then I have to we have to talk about the more of in the Alonso and Stroll drama because. Alonso had a shit weekend for a home Grand Prix after taking damage on the in qualifying, going through the gravel and ruining his floor, which made him unable to even out qualify Stroll. It was the first time that Stroll out qualified him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time that um he's finished ahead of him in the in the race. And what they say, what I what I was looking into this, and it and they, and you remember the radio call? He's like, "Tell tell Lance, I'm not going to attack him. It's it's okay. We don't need the points or something." Like he is a pretty genius thing to have done, because he could have over he could have overtaken him. I don't know. I don't. I don't think he wanted to go wheel to wheel with him though, and I don't think he wanted to have the drama. And it also shows uh, that yeah, yeah why yeah. Why, uh, why uh, finish out of the points because you bumped wheels or something, and you know both of you. Well, it makes lose. it. It, it so, somebody I, I saw mean, a TikTok or something about this, or somebody was talking that it's actually a brilliant strategy call by Alonzo. Is it? It plays in line with support- his narrative the whole time that he's he's a different guy and he's there for the team, and but he also it also highlights that it's. He could have passed him, and the data and telemetry says the same thing. He had enough pace in hand to have passed him. And then somebody also else pointed out on the, I think it was a race video that Lance did the same thing in Baku, <laughs> where he's like, I, "I'll stay behind Alonso," and I think it's all just a bunch of this like BS, and it just is further fodder for my conspiracy or opinion or theory that there's got to be a a Lance clause in Alonzo's contract that every time he talks up <laughs> Stroll or does something that makes Stroll look good, like he gets a, he gets a bonus. Um, because it's yeah. just so out of characteristic. Um, well, what about, what, what about this? The development with Aston Martin uh, in 2026, bring him out. You know, Hans is coming back in. 
Um, why wouldn't? I mean, he's he's 41, but he still feels like he's competitive in action. He definitely is. And so let's finish as high as we can. We know we're not going to win the championship, but but let's be two or three if we can. Well, they're not because yeah, then that's going to bring in the dough, and then when Honda comes in, we got and then we got the dough, um, uh, and the, I don't know. It just seems like they they're they, they're set, they're setting themselves up for the wrong, the long game. And can we see Alonso pick up his third world title? I maybe no, not definitely not with Lance not even being on the podium to help buffer that and keep points well, down from somebody else. You, you, I think you just have to see what the next couple years. Let's be real. No matter how good the next, the next, um, Aston Martin car is, and maybe with new regulations, but that's just a clean slate again. I, whatever, if if Alonso even comes close to having a title contending car, it's gonna he's gonna be contending against a much better team. Like, because let's be realistic, it's going to be either Sainz and Leclerc, Hamilton and Russell, or Max and Perez, but we're, and we'll come on to this when we get to Perez more later on, but maybe not Perez either. But all of those, I mean, we should we should talk more about this when we get to well, I guess Montreal, because the, the podium in Montreal was packed, right? And, mm-hmm. I mean, yes, Alonso is good, and he's a great driver, but if if given even comparable cars, I think Hamilton has proven that he can beat him, and Max is a force, and their teammates, respectively, are way better than his teammate. And so for Aston Martin to win a constructor's title and – even and realistically, the driver's title as well. They have to get rid of Stroll. They have to. And somebody needs to have that real conversation. And I mean, you got to get rid of the kid. No matter, he cannot improve enough to be on the level of even Perez. So, yeah, yeah, that, that's a problem for Aston Martin, and they need to address it. Well, we'll see how that unfolds. So that's all you can do. I mean, the points gap in that team is larger than any on the field, any on the grid. Like yeah. it's, and he should be, he should be at bare minimum fifth place every single race, especially in the first six races. He should have been on the near, right behind Alonso. It's the same car. Yeah. So yep, you're right. All right. Got to move on. Let's do. Um, let's just go to let's just go to what we we really all want to talk about, and that's Montreal and that amazing Q two. And mm-hmm. what what were you thinking? What were you were you were you? I almost sent you a picture when I saw Albon topping timing charts in a in a qualifying session. Well, I. I was kind of flabbergasted that they sent him out on slicks. I thought you two. It just seems so doggone wet. I loved it. 
It's like what I live for. It's like, it, it is like what you really watch the sport for. I remember, I can't, I wish I could remember the race, but it was like when, when I first really early started watching Formula One with you way back in the 2000s. And I was just, it was like one of those wild races where it was going from dry to, or from wet to dry. And, some guy went on to drives early and he was in the, he was in like 16th or something. And, and I was like, what is he doing? And you're like, watch, he, he could, he could have the, he could have the ticket. And yeah, sure enough, he ended up podium and it was like the most outrageous podium for this team. Yeah. And I, and I just remember like, Oh my God, this is such a cool thing. And I started watching it more with you. And now look at us, we have a podcast, but it was that, that, that I love that energy of, well, Let's just try it. Let's just do it. I think I can do it. And it also shows how far Albon has come. And I just have, I'm so impressed by him. And that podium, or I mean that, well, that topping that qualifying two session, because even when, um, you know, it wasn't right out of the gates. He had to put in a, a really slow lap and everybody was, you know, second guessing him. And then he put in a, a topper. And even with Max on softs as well, couldn't come close to Albon. Couldn't couldn't beat Albon. Right. And that shows you how much fat, like how fast or more confident or sure of the conditions that Albon was than Verstappen was. In Williams, I mean, it was in. Oh, it was just so cool. The last time, uh, a Williams had to- uh, topped a, a qualifying session was Felipe Massa at Spa 2016. So hmm. that that ended a pretty big dry spell for for Williams and I just thought it was awesome. I just love I I love that. And it also happens to be our moment with Martin today. So let's take a listen to that. Well, let's see. But what, what are they going to lose by by as long as it doesn't get spread down the yeah. ball. Yeah. <laughs> what have you got to lose? Well, Nothing if you don't crash it. <laughs> Spread down the yeah. wall. I love that. That was just the that had to be the moment I heard that and I was like, that is a key Martinism right there. <laughs> uh yeah, it was. Speaking of spread down the wall, we almost saw and stroll again. He he got more lucky than anybody else in that when it was going to enters too. And he every uh, this is this is just highlighting stroll and his problem where he fits in in f1 right now is every other driver was on slicks and he crashed and had a spin well he didn't crash luckily but he was very very lucky um he spun the car on inters when everybody else was was doing better and going faster than him on slicks he was spinning on inters Well, were they old? I don't know. I or think they had overheated because it was too dry and he was on them still. Yeah. That can't be all on him, though. No, definitely not. Fernando Alonso was P3, but he couldn't make it to Q2. <laughs> or Q3, I mean. Yeah. Um, other notable... Uh, qualifying instances was this was both the second consecutive non-Q3 appearance 
or uh, for both Leclerc and Perez? Really? That's right. So for the last two races, both drivers have not have been knocked out, have not reached Q3. I didn't look at that like that. And um, it was it was Perez's fourth error in six qualifying sessions. I think. I mean, we have to we have to spend a minute. I think here talking about Perez and his future <laughs> and what's going to happen at that team because. Screw the, I mean, screw the world title. That's long gone. That was gone after Spain. I mean, really. And his qualifying performances and his race performance at at Montreal, and I mean, granted, Perez doesn't have a great track record at Montreal, but he should have and could have done better. And he's there's something really wrong with, like there's a mental thing going on now, I think. Um. And it's it's concerning. Yeah. Because well, what is it though? What what I mean just maybe just the ultimate he was just bummer. So on top of it early. Yeah. Just knowing that the the sheer knowing that you squandered probably the best opportunity of your career. And and then now now not only have you done that, but now He's like, you just get the yips or get in your head and you're like, okay, if I don't get better, I'm at risk of losing this drive altogether. And then you just keep doing bad. I don't know. I'm, and he's, and he's my, my, one of my biggest guys on my grid rival team. I'm still holding in for him. I booked him for five races. I should have dumped him two races ago. (laughs) I just believe in the guy. I wanted him to do so good. I feel so bad for him. I just, I don't want him to go yeah. out like that. I really don't. But, I'm sure happy that Canada was the last race if I had him for five. And until he shows something different, I don't know if I'm going to pick him again. I know if he if he he's going to be a real bet against if he doesn't start making some improvements. And I mean, it's not it's it's more than just fantasy F1 that's at stake too. It's I mean his real career. Oh yeah. Yeah, and Danny Ricardo sitting right there, just waiting too. And I mean, how do you? And then you have Yuki Sonoda just crushing it at Alphatari. You have Al, Alex Albon absolutely crushing it at Williams. Yeah, you know, there's so much young talent doing really well. Joe, shoot, Joe is driving better than Perez at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Leclerc uh... is absolutely pissed at Ferrari too. You don't think he won't jump? You don't think Lewis won't jump to Ferrari? You mean like we could have a, the wildest silly oh. season coming? It, you, you know? I can hardly wait because it just it's getting set up. The summer break's going to be wild. Because, oh, I mean, let's be real. Max is going to have it clinched by then. Red Bull's already, yeah. I mean, won the Constructors title. So yeah. people and, are going to start talking, <laughs> talking early, I think. Um, oh, man. but Ferrari's got to do better. Okay, we got to talk about science. This is science. Second big penalty in two races for the same incident. Like, get your shit together, bud. You can't. You're yeah. you're, you're the best hope we Ferrari's got because Leclerc and the strategy they cannot get it together. And the, well, now Ferrari's heard, strategy in this race was refreshing. 
No, but in qualifying, I'm talking about qualifying uh-huh. right now because oh, okay. you heard it in Leclerc's voice. He they didn't have the tires right. He's he's like was fear, furious. He had the pace. Leclerc's could have put that car way up higher if they would have gotten if he would have gotten slicks. You know it. Well, yeah. So, I mean, all yeah, of, I, I mean, all I, I get it. So, three. There was three pretty bad impeding: Science, Stroll, and Sonoda. Again, Stroll. Do we like when any time you talk about Stroll right now, it's not in a good way. There's only been one one time this whole season that you could talk good about Stroll, and he's just pissed that away and done crap like impeding or spinning or causing a problem the entire rest of the season. Um, yeah. Oh, man. And then Hulkenberg too, right? We have to talk about Hulkenberg. Well, yeah. I mean, where did that come from? Where did that qualification come from? I just luck. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that red flag came like, literally, they said six, six was, tenths of a second at perfect timing or Alonzo would have had it. It was like, it was like a Magnuson deja vu all over it. For real. Alon- <laughs> Alonzo was, <laughs> was three tenths up on him before that, when that red flag came out. So, yeah. And it doesn't matter cause they screwed it. They threw it away anyways. I mean, yeah, he got the penalty. Which was a little, a little harsh, I think. Too again, it's weird how they can be so how penalties can be so harsh and then not harsh with this. I we have got to get a better like stewarding system. Like we like it's ridiculous that it's not a set stewarding. Like the stewards change every single race, and I just yeah. think like we what sport does that? What sport has a has referees that like aren't consistent? You know. Like there should be a a panel of stewards. They're full time. They go to every single race, and then the stewards at every race, and it's consistent. Because how Hamilton and Norris didn't get um, unsafe release calls during that Grand Prix, I will never know. I mean, yes, Alonso was pretty dramatic when Hamilton came out, <laughs> and there was that. Did you see? Did you see they kept cutting to Toto because Toto, Toto was like. Like gesturing the what Alonzo had done. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) and they didn't. Neither of them got called, and I think they were both unsafe releases. Well, I think I I think Hamilton's was okay, but the Norris. I mean, they just need a consistent rule. Here's the rule: if the driver that is being, you know, like. If the driver has to brake because of your release into them, that's an unsafe release. They shouldn't have to brake. Or have to take evasive action. Or take evasive action. Boom. Penalty. Every single time. Consistent. Everybody knows it. Don't do it. You'll get a penalty. But this like, oh, sometimes it's a penalty. Sometimes it's not a penalty. You can't do it. So... That's my that's my soapbox on that. What do you want to talk about? Anything else about qualifying before we get to the race? I guess we just talked about the race, so. <laughs> no, I think, you know, the the Albon's move, Hulkenberg's luck, 
uh, not too much more to talk about, I'd say. Yeah, it was an, I mean, but that's the, that's like the, that's what you watch qualifying for again. Those are my, that was such an amazing qualifying session. It was just so good. It was. It was awesome. And it set us up for an amazing race because we had cars out of place again and, and then now a dry track. And man, let's take a brief minute to talk about how great Canada is. I always forget how good Canada is. In, you mean as far as the fans? The fans, the, the surroundings, the, the, the race that the, that the track delivers, the... I mean, it's just a cool, it's, it's, it's tight. It's historic. It's on an Island. I mean, it's so cool. It's such a cool racetrack. It's on an Island that was purposely built. Yeah. (laughs) It just looks cool. And then you got tight walls and you got the trees over the track, which really makes the cars going down the straights super dramatic. I mean, it's Mm, heavy braking. It's fast. I mean, it's got places for overtake. It's got places for mistakes. It punishes mistakes, yeah. as we saw. Yeah. It's hard on, like you said, hard on brakes, hard on fuel uh, strategy. Tire, it's, tire, you know, it's tire heavy. It's bumpy. It's an old school rad racetrack. And it yeah. has turns like turn the wall of champions. Like how dope is that? <laughs> Is that because of all the champions that were collected on that? Wall? What was that? 1997, <laughs> world champions retired in the same race, all at the same turner. So that's why yeah. it's called the World Wall of Champions. The Wall of Champions. You know, another historic thing occurred um, in, in Canada at the at Gilles Cirque. Yeah, it was it was the fiftieth year that a safety car had been involved in racing. The first safety car was at Canada 50 years ago in 1973. And I, and I think there's been a safety car at the Grand Prix there every year since. Uh, well, of course there has. Um, but so d- there was at that, at the wall of champions that that was at such that cool shot where uh, Alonzo was chasing down Hamilton was chasing down Max and Hamilton comes and he, hits the wall and it sparks, but he didn't occur yeah. any damage. And then, and then George did the same thing and <laughs> broke the car. <laughs> <laughs> well, he got back, he got back going, but something. He smeared he it down the wall. Or what, it, did, what did Martin say? Well, let's see, but what, it what are they going to lose by, by as long as it doesn't get spread down the yeah, wall, spread yeah. down the wall. That's spread, spread down the wall. <laughs> George spread that car down the wall a little bit. Not not a full spread. Like he he you know the butter was frozen, so it didn't smear yeah, as good. Yeah, it was just a half a smear. But then it it was a it was a a prolonged smear. The smear happened <laughs> on lap fifty something. <laughs> the final smear. What? Well, he he went he retired on lap fifty six because of the hot break. And Which they think was because I, of that crash. Like when he crashed, he bent. The, yeah, it the damaged his cooling ducts or something. So yeah. So, but up until that point, there was some lap thirty-five awesome racing, and he he was a part of some amazing racing after that too. Yeah, with with uh, Lonzo, wasn't it? Well, and he had a double pass on um, Devries and Magnuson. 
DeVries and Magnuson yeah. were battling it out, and Alonzo or and Russell just, just goes, "All right, I'll just go around both of you then," <laughs> with a broken Thank car. <laughs> Thank you very much. I needed that help. Um, yeah, I that, mean that was that was some awesome stuff. And then the only uh, the only other retirement or did not finish was Logan Sargent. Another abysmal weekend for him, uh, but this time it wasn't his fault. <laughs> Uh, the, no, he just, the car, the, in, he had power unit failure. Yeah. yeah. And it was the best off. virtual safety car, car off the track in the history that of formula one that I can remember. They got it went VSC 20 seconds, VSC ended perfect use of the yeah. system. Way to go. FIA. <laughs> you did one thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, how about the start? Dude, Hamo. Hambone, you know, ham, man, that was so that brilliant. Was Such a sweet move. Yeah, and then and then the but chase, then, that first chase, Alonzo uh, was pushing it, sparked that rim on the wall of champions. He was, he was. They were they were racing right then. It was an awesome oh, opening stint. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And uh, and uh, oh yeah. I'm trying to think of who was was uh, after Hamilton passed Alonso. There was another car coming up. Um, who was that? It would but have been how, Russell. Um, Science wasn't Science. Russell Ocon and Hulkenberg. Was, um, um, it was Russell. Because Russell yeah. and Alonzo were, or Russell and Hamilton were wheel to wheel at one point during the race. Well, or I'm talking Alonzo. still on the first on the first lap. Yeah, it would have been where, Russell. Russell almost yeah. got him too. Right, but then how? Um, I guess it was turn two where if you have the inside, you're you're not going to get past usually, and that was just a cool setup. Um, that Alonzo had put in there to maintain P3. Yeah. So, uh, and that watching, was all... Watching the, Hamilton and Alonzo go to wheel-to-wheel is some... They're two of the best wheel-to-wheel drivers the sport has ever seen, I think. I would agree. I would. I would agree with that. On both defensive and offensive. And, and it shows you what real, real good drivers do. They don't crash each other. They don't... They, they let each other race. And yeah, and they but they but they're so good they don't they don't give up either. No, um, and, and even push, a, it, push it, push it, even after Alonzo, this is how this is what makes Alonzo so great is after he knew that Hamilton had him on the first stint, he immediately starts playing chess, and he goes, "Okay, now I'm cooling down. Then now I'm conserving. Now we're gonna, you know, they start talking mm-hmm. with strategy, and they're like, well, okay, how do we get back? How do we get him back? And that's that takes wisdom." You know that takes you because a, a younger driver or the or or and it was it almost happened to Alonzo where you make a mistake, and I think it's better to just cool off and go to strategy and try and pass him the strategy then once you know you've you've yeah. gotten licked, um and I think t- touching the wall is a pretty good sign to, that you're getting close to losing it. So yeah. I think you got I lucky. Mean, I mean the- they build those Aston Martins strong. <laughs> Well, 
And the Mercedes, I mean, when Russell hit that wall, I thought he was out for sure. Oh, me too. I, I didn't even think he was going to make it back to the pits, let alone go back out for 15 laps. Well, yeah. Yeah, because he retired lap 56, I think. So, yeah. Oh, no, it's crazy, 12 crazy. to 56. That's most, that's most of the race distance. I had never, yeah. I, that's why I was bummed. And he raced really well, too. I think at one point he got up to, didn't he get up to sixth? Yeah, he was right around Albon when that yeah. happened. No, he was. Um, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because that because there was some great racing. In, so uh, much good racing in the mid forty, the lap mid forties between him and Albon. Oh yeah, and thirty, and that was some really. That was some really cool racing. Norris was absolutely on one. That he, the way he passed Piastri, the way he passed Botas. I mean, yeah. And then at the very end, he almost got uh, Ocon. Yeah. What happened? Did he get a penalty? Oh yeah, he got that no, penalty. No, Ocon. No, he yeah, had, he got the penalty. Uh, we still have to talk about that too. Who did? Norris. Norris. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Do well, we need to talk about DeVries? Yeah, let's, let's, let's move do, forward. Do we need yeah. to talk about Joe, Magnuson, Hulkenberg, any well, of those I thought, guys? Have you ever seen, have you ever seen a, uh, it was lap 35 where Magnuson and DeVries were battling like a maniacs? Um and they they both went down the runoff. Oh yeah, that was and it, bonkers. And it was just, and and the and the runoff was so narrow you couldn't do a you know a quick spin and drive back out. They both had to <laughs> back out. Dude, and Devries is going to lose his seat with driving like that. He's just gonna he's gone. Uh, well, I don't. Do you think he has any way, any chance of making a drive next year? Honestly. I don't know. With all the hullabaloo that happened this year, it's like against Sonoda. <laughs> Sonoda's his teammate. Will you not forget? Yeah. I did forget. <laughs> I guess. But what was cool about where they both ran off and they had to back up? That uh, I was watching the Julian Palmer uh, uh, analysis, race analysis. Yeah. And he was a, he was explaining the process to get a F1 car into reverse is like, it's almost like playing um, a like game twister. <laughs> Your arms are all, or bop it. With the steering. It's probably more like bop it. Do you remember bop it? You have to, bop it. Yeah. Twist it. No. Slap it. You mean <laughs> Go toggle dial number nine, diff number nine. three, Brake yeah. bias number four, double one, position two, click the paddles three times. Okay, you're in reverse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, and golly, I guess that's probably for a reason because usually you don't race going backwards, but that what, was really interesting. But what position was that for, too? What, when did that happen? That was pretty early on. It was lap, thir- like lap 35. Lap 35, and Magnuson and Debris. They qualified like 18th and 14th. 
So I don't think that was for points too. So they just went from they went to dead last for no reason. I was just I literally wrote in my notes I wrote DeVries Magnuson and then like four question marks. Like what was that about? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the process was was weird, but how they got back out on the track was interesting about how that whole process of getting in reverse, they both had to go reverse so, and so, uh, getting back on the track safely and let's, all that. Yeah, let's move on to Lando Norris and that unsportsmanlike conduct. What did you think of that? Uh, let's see. Let me replay that in my brain. So he was—he was, would have been up at eighth, eighth or ninth. He was challenging Albon for seventh, right at the end. Or no, he was—he was challenging Ocon for eighth, and then he got a five-second penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct. What, yeah, which was he backed up the pack. He was driving unnecessarily slow to double stack in the safety car. Well. He was or the virtual safety. Um, now it was it was a virtual safety car, and from what no, it would have been the full safety car because the virtual safety car was too short to have pitted a double stack. So it had to have been for that's right it, for Sergeant uh, um, George's safety car. Yeah, that's what it would have been. I think. Um, so, but usually under sporting yeah. regulations. It would have just been um, driving unnecessarily slowly, five-second penalty. But instead, they, they chose to set a precedent and say that because of the nature of the reason that he was driving so slow to get that double stop, he created an advantage for himself and a disadvantage for his competitors, thus making it unsportsmanlike. Because it he was it wasn't that he, he was holding up others not that he was driving unnecessarily too slow but this is the first time that he's this type of penalty has been given for that infraction and then i heard on um the race you know their theory is that they're they're fis trying to set some new precedent by doing it that way but i think it's pretty unfair Mm -hmm. because a lot of people spoke up to norris's defense saying that landon norris is one of the the most the opposite of unsportsmanlike of anybody on the grid. Right. Yeah, that's that's just a, such a crack up. Like, come on. I mean, I understand. But, I understand it. It does make sense. Do I think? I just don't. check this out. Check this out. When I was watching the race analysis by Julian Paul, uh, Palmer, yeah, he he had um, he during that time. He, um, Norris had maintained proper time from the car in front of him. He was 2.9 seconds was his delta during the safety car. Uh-huh. And he was at, and he was at 2.9 that whole time. And then he showed, I think it was signs holding, uh, who, was even slower than him, but he didn't get the penalty. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You have to be consistent, so, and you have to. Yeah, and it's. I mean, come on, come on, come so, on. But 
that I think that drive that Norris put on before that was and and subsequently after that was it was um, an incredible. I think if if Albon hadn't been Albon that weekend, that drive of the day should have gone to to Norris. He had he absolutely drove incredible yeah. race and didn't deserve. I don't know if he really deserved that harsh of a penalty, but. Well, yeah. And Albon was incredible. Yeah. I mean, Albon was incredible. <laughs> yeah, you know that um, that end of the race there, like around lap 50 or late 40s, where Albon is holding off Russell. Oh, dude. I guess they're, I guess they're, I guess they're just famous friends um, from their days in Formula 2. Oh, and, yeah. Um, you mean and, you said uh, Albon and Russell? Yeah. Yeah, they're like best friends. Right, right. Yeah. And so that kind of even makes that, that, uh, I mean, in a Williams holding off a Merck, I mean. Oh, brilliant. It's brilliant. Well. Not only a Williams holding that, off uh, a Merck, but holding off an Alpine, holding off an Aston Martin, holding off a McLaren, and doing it. And how about oh, yeah. this? How about, an, how about, a, how about qualifying P10 in a Williams with that brilliant, decision to be to go on the slicks qualifying p10 and then not only holding that p10 but finishing p7 that was and doubling your team's points in a single race i mean totally it it just cements that albon is drastically outperforming that that car because stroll's car didn't even finish and oh and and also that he did have new upgrades. So this is this is a really positive step for, for Williams. He I had new side Williams, pods on the car. I guess that the Williams in a straight line is it's like the fastest car. So it just can't turn very good. But well, but the new side pods about, and stuff was about, supposed to really improve that. And it showed in qualifying, well, I think, too. Yeah, no doubt. So, um, but talk about creating tingling in your nether gear. Oh man! That last I picked Albon up. I picked Albon up after that. Did you? Oh yeah. That, but he was not the only one. You know, Albon was what a. I mean, it was an incredible defense against Ocon on that oh, last man. lap. So to good to maintain his position. And then, I think I and think then, if if he didn't have Norris, um, Norris and Ocon battling it out so hard, I think Ocon would have gotten past Albon. I think he has a lot to thank for that. And let's be real, Ocon is super lucky that he didn't get pulled in for that rear wing. Yeah, now I don't think I don't know how they the never race, got do you a, remember a a flag for that. Well. We remember during the race and Brundle was talking about, oh, that's no big deal. That that rear wing has done that all season. Has it? I've, how was this the first that, we're seeing of it? There's said, no way that that wing that, – that definitely it, I mean, that breaks looks, regulations for moving, moving parts. I, I thought so, but Brundle kind of poo-pooed it and said, oh, that, that's been no doing that all season. There's no way – 
Because Red last <laughs> season they were like Red Bull was like what was it like the load was it was like moving like one millimeter under load and they're like that's oh, yeah. that thing was like swaying yeah. back and forth like it was held on by rope <laughs> by twist ties. And this, but hey, I was I don't know how Norris just kept being. I would be like I can't drive behind this. This thing's gonna come I'm off failing. and Felipe Massa me. Oh gosh, I guess. Or Senna. That's how Senna Jeez. died. Yeah, well, but it was from his own car. So Felipe got a Felipe got a spring embedded in his forehead from somebody else, much like this. But hey, well, that's what a spring got, did. Imagine a whole got, rear wing assembly. I can use spell decapitation. That's, oh no, that's they've got those little bars now. I think. Hey, I think Ocon was super lucky to not get called on that. Should be uh, to Should me. Be. I thought it was especially like when I saw it go pretty. under. It was noted for investigation. I was like, "What do you need to know? What do you need to investigate?" Yeah, that wing looks like hey, Raggedy Ann's head. You, you have to. You have to defend your position on Stroll here, because what that what else happened on that last lap? Uh, Stroll got a, a pass Stroll, on both Yeah, he picked both Botas. Which that happened. That that he did that. He's done that to him in the past. That like Baku. Back in the Williams oh. days. And in Mercedes, oh. he's he's they've done that to each other. Was, that's pretty, I thought that I noted that at the end too. That that was really funny. It was like I saw a bunch of inner you know TikToks and stuff making a big deal about that. Wow, congratulations, Lance. You finished in the points for once. Meanwhile, your your teammate's finishing P2 and passing a seven-time world champion to do it. <laughs> Congrats on that that two points, bud. Yeah, baby. Speaking of it, that the Alonzo battle. I wish I wish it was a little tighter at the end, but Alonzo got got Hamilton back from that start. So well, yeah, but it took twenty two laps to get there. It did it took strategy, but he, that was, but that's what it's saying. Yeah, he switch. He, yeah. he went. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight you anymore. I'm gonna pass you later, and he did. And yeah, silvery fox. I <laughs> I like the the there was that there was that one lap where Hamilton took two seconds out of. They're like they were like Hamilton just took two seconds out of um Alonso. Alonso. And yeah. I guess I guess Alonzo was having brake issues as well. Yeah, he was having, uh, and he was having I to lift the coast. That's right. So, so that was. How can you not love this? It was so good because at one point he was like, "I want to, I want to win this, man." So I think Alonzo thought he could have won it without that problem. I don't know if he did. I mean. He finished nine well, nine seconds off, but who knows what that would. Well, I don't done. know how long how long was he having the brake problem for? Well, you? and I wonder if he didn't pick up that big problem on that little wall tap, similar to George. Yeah, yeah, like Russell, that they suspected that, uh, you know, his brake duct got damaged, and so that would have been two errors in two races that really cost him because mm. he did that gravel Great. trap ride. The bumpy, bumpy ride in Spain that broke his floor. Another historical thing. 
I'm giving us two two historical things. What what's yours? Well, I'll, you tell you if you tell me yours, I'll tell you mine. Well, we 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 talked about the fiftieth anniversary of having a safety card. Yeah. Oh. And then Red Bull's hundredth victory. Yeah. That's that's pretty inception. big deal. And Max's forty first victory, tying in with Senna. What do you have to say about what do you what do you think about that? I don't know. I wish Senna would have lived. Man, I I mean, it, <laughs> I know, but it it is, and Senna did it in less races too. Well, that that yeah, but that's quite a bit. That's still an achievement. Yeah. That's still, I mean, yeah, that's still an achievement yeah. for for Max, and it was his fourth win in a row. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, it shows yeah, you, not, and so. Look at Perez. They have the same car. It's not just yeah. the car. And uh, Max extends his lead to 69 points over Perez. I mean, wow. I don't want to hear you talking about 69-ing over Perez ever again, okay? I don't know. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, no, I, I, I thought it was really funny. It. There, I saw an Instagram that had when when it they showed Red Bull Red Bull winning a hundred and it showed all the other teams that have a hundred race wins, and then I went to the comments and one of the comments says, "I just want to remind you that Lewis has a hundred and three, like just Lewis Hamilton has a hundred and three wins, and Red Bull as a team just got a hundred wins. 100. If that if you if you want to put into how much how amazing Lewis yeah. Hamilton is." Have, let that stat right. sink in. They're celebrating a team getting to 100 wins, and he himself yeah. has 103. Hopefully, yeah. to be more. Now, what do you think that in the, like you said, I think Verstappen and Red Bull are going to tie up the championship? Not too many more races, right? No. And what if what if they huh? Keep going. And so what if they say, okay, mathematically we're winning we're gonna win this. And they stop spending money on development of the twenty three twenty twenty three car and start focusing on the twenty twenty four car. Do you and yet Aston Martin and Mercedes and Ferrari um, Ferrari are going to continue to develop we may see some real we may see some Lewis Hamilton wins I we don't know see I, don't think, I don't think we will because they're not going to push that's just a thought I know I know but Max Max, Max wants to break his his record he set last year and can do it no I so I think so at the very minimum. I mean, I mean, and they're coming. I mean, let's let's not note the deficit at in Spain. The difference between Max's victory in Spain and Max's victory in Canada is, you know, it was twenty five seconds in Spain, and it was only nine in yeah. Canada. And, and there's and some tighter tracks coming too. I think yeah. I think Austria, like Alonso said it too at, in the. Lewis was saying something in in a press and um and he said and Alonso said to him, You just wait till Austria. 
Waiting for Austria. We're coming in Austria. I think, I think our one. I think Singapore, Austria, um, those are our, probably our best bets at a at a non max victory. And it's not. I don't know if it's going to come from Hamilton. I think it's going to come from Alonso. Yeah, but just a thought. It. Is, I mean, it's an interesting okay, thought. Okay, we I, got the champion. We got the drivers and the. And yet, let's face it, Max has got a lot of years to. Yeah, but I but I think I think Horner and Helmet and Max, those guys they want the numbers too. Like why why do that when you can win them all? How how would it would it what would it be to 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 for a team to win every single race in one of the biggest race seasons of all time? Talk about a a stat to put by your name. Yeah. But I mean, what no is, other team can say what? that. No team has ever but, won all the races in a season. Right. That's a good point. But if you limit development and still have a competitive car, yeah, you may not win. I think race, I think uh, we might the see going that. Out, back yeah. out of I see what you're saying. Up, and you take $150 million that you didn't spend on this year where you've already clinched. Well, your top, your number one drivers clinched, and your constructors clinched. I think you and maybe, yet you'll take 150 million dollars into next year's development. Because I think you may be right it's as possible. well. That, no, I do. I think you may be right as well. Because who's saying that we even have seen all of the upgrades that is available for that car? That they already haven't yeah. already spent money on is what I'm saying. Yeah. We may also come to a point where they just go, oh, well, we already bought these upgrades. You know, we'll just throw them on and start doing some preseason testing for next year. And we see yeah. we see the Red Bull go like two seconds a lap faster. I mean, because I think they oh, were man. supposed to put an upgrade on and they didn't. I think at Spain they were supposed to have an upgrade. And they just didn't. They didn't need it. Really? So we could see this gap, I, this gap that went from twenty five down to nine, and then maybe in Austria we see it really close between, you know, down in, you know, a second within a second or two seconds, even three seconds. I think would be people would be like, "Holy cow, this is a close race!" And oh, and then and the then the very next like? race we'll see. I mean, once it gets that close, I think that the very next race you'll see those upgrades, and you'll see that gap go right back to. 15, 20 seconds. I think they're they're sitting on... They. I don't think that Red Bull's really been developed hardly at all. Well, so. that's the scuttlebutt, but they're not, they're not running their car as hot as they could. Okay, so. the other thing that... Because we got to talk still got... We still got to do the news thing. Um, oh, yeah, let's go. But the, the other cool thing that I saw, that podium with Alonzo, Max, and Hamilton combined between them... Had that that represented three hundred and eighty three podiums. However, it was only the second time that they that those three had been on the podium together. So that had only happened one time previously, out of three hundred and eighty three times. <laughs> well, let's see how many um, drivers' championships. So uh, Hamilton nine. seven, Alonso oh, nine, two, 10, 11, 12. Verstappen, Verstappen has he has two. I gave him three because he's two. he's got three already, pretty much already. So double double digit 
Drivers' Champion. I mean, that was an iconic podium. Represented. And really, three of the best F1 drivers of all time, in my opinion. I would put, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if Alonzo makes the, how, how high Alonzo makes. Because, here's a nice segue, one of his um, championships was very determined upon his tires that he had that year and the certain mm-hmm. other tires that Ferrari didn't have that year. Because that's right, mm-hmm. for those fans who know the history a little bit better and for those of you who don't, for the first time in a long time, there might be a non-Pirelli tire on F1 cars. What do you think about that, Dad? Bridgestone potentially making a, re- a return to F1. Uh, I mean, you know, the Bridgestone years were cool. But wasn't there, didn't they run Bridgestone and Michelin together in a season? Yeah, there was a tire wars, and that's so, what could potentially yeah, happen tire again. Wars. Yeah, and so I, I, ha- I heard you say that earlier today. And I don't know, is it going to be Pirelli and Bridgestone, or is Bridgestone going to have It hasn't have been decided yet. Right? I guess Bridgestone has only put cool. like a, a tender letter in to F1, mm. offering, but but for the last, I mean, Pirelli's been the sole tire manufacturer. So for, for those of you who are a little history lesson, back in the day, teams would buy tires for their cars. And and so some years you would have multiple tire compounds by multiple manufacturers being used against each other. And teams would buy tires from whoever they worked out a deal with. And some tires were way better some years and some tires were way worse, specifically when one of the years uh, Schumacher and Alonso were battling it out between Renault and Ferrari. And that changed in Pirelli and Pirelli switched Instead of teams paying tire manufacturers for tires, Pirelli pays F1 for the exclusive rights um, to being the sole tire manufacturer for F1. And it's been that way since, what, 2012, Dan, I think? Oh, I'd have to look back. Or I think it's, it's 20, 2010, 2020, somewhere right in there. And yeah, it was I a part right. of a new strategy of F1. Um that they wanted tires that would wear faster um, and cause you to need to make more pit stops because the Bridgestones were famously and sometimes very critically too tough um, and would last so long that teams would go could go the whole race distance on one set of tires. And so this opened up uh, the race. You get a shout-out to the race because they made an excellent YouTube video and their podcast today went into all of the everything I'm saying is just stuff I learned from that podcast. So if you want to hear a much better account of all this, because I learned so much, I'm just breaking it down for you guys in a less uh, British way. Um, but they they opened up this nice debate, and that and it was a lot of stuff I never really paid attention to back in the day, and um, I didn't know the whole history of Pirelli becoming the tire manufacturer and the whole directive of like making tires and like be more 
susceptible to degradation because what they originally thought is that uh, a team would just race a tire that was much faster but broke down much quicker to the you know race it down to its run through its life and then pit but what they what teams found out through all the data was that it was actually just faster to manage tire temperatures and drive at a slower pace and even that was faster in the long run than driving fast and changing more times so it it well, didn't also, do what the FIA intended it to do and um Pirelli just made it look it made Pirelli look like they just made crappy racing drivers and everybody said you know Bridgestone makes all these tires that are much robust more robust so it's opened up this debate of is that what we need as a sport dad do we need a better tire that would hopefully make drivers be able to drive faster or would that actually even be what would happen what do you think well I think another factor of the transition from Bridgestone to Pirelli also occurred about the same time where uh, refueling was banned. Yeah, they talked about you, that as well. And so, and so to add the drama of a pit stop for tire changes, you know, you have to be a little bit easier on Pirelli because they're developing according to what the FIA did you know, has sent down. Oh, totally. That, and they're and having you, to... And you have to have different compounds. And so now what do we do if we have a tire that can go the whole race? You have no pit stops. You've removed... I mean, I mean, pit stops were... I mean, back in the old days, I mean, sometimes you'd have to change a transmission yeah. <laughs> or something like that on some of these old cars and uh and that uh i mean that's the historical part of it so if you eliminate pit stops i think you eliminate a great deal of the excitement of um of any auto racing well totally and so and i think so i think that the pirelli thing with the different compounds was a setup well to, here, here's you know, two things that they spit out i'm going to spit out to you and get your response because they made that point as well and that Pirelli is also having to deal with cars that are 200 kilograms heavier because of that. Uh, because that the w most of that extra weight comes from having to carry 100 kilograms of fuel at the start and then thus be big yeah. enough to have a fuel tank to accommodate 100 kilograms of fuel. So, and these cars... These cars are 60% more torquey than the cars that Bridgestone were making rubber for and have a whole lot less down, a whole lot more downforce. So the other thing is traction control went out during that transition too. Totally. So that saves, that, that saved tires. Also, so, so, so Karun Chandoff has been championing bringing back refueling to f1 because it would force it would allow the cars to be lighter be less demanding on tires so car, so drivers could drive harder and and race better and it would create longer and more challenging pit stops if you had to bring back refueling but the other counterpoint to that 
is, or the other option would be to just mandate the use of all compounds. You would get wildly different strategies if you had to use all the compounds, but then that doesn't really make sense in F1's, um, you know, push to go carbon neutral by 2030. Shouldn't we be trying to make a more robust tire so that you don't, you know, use so many tires, which then have to be manufactured and shipped to different places? If you could use less tires, wouldn't that be better? Interesting point. So it's it it's it's. But then then the other thing is is that refueling is dangerous. Oh yeah, I don't think mechanics you know, and drivers really want to bring back. And how does that how does know, that appeal so, for your conservation as well? Yeah. So. But maybe uh, you would use less fuel if we had to could could make the cars more efficient too. I would be so cool if 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 modern engineering because I've heard you know um, some of the guys on the race talk about this that actually uh, an NA like a, a a low capacity high revving naturally aspirated V twelve with modern day technology could be way more efficient than these hybrid cars even. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder wouldn't it be yeah. so cool if we could just do like a like no regulations and they could make a naturally aspirated V12 or V10 and like, and see what, like with modern technology, how, how cool they could make that with modern downforces and modern technology and modern materials, you know, mm. how, and a naturally aspirated V10, like how amazing would that be? You know, I'd love to just see, but it would cost, you know, freaking, 300 million billion trillion pounds to develop it so it'll never happen but wouldn't it be sweet yeah those are that was back in the day when uh toyota was still in oh yeah and they were spending 350 400 dollars a year yeah a year to to run a car but to run a team so so what i think i take so getting back to bridgestone and pirelli because we got to wrap this up but um, yeah. I'm excited. I mean, nothing's been decided, but I think it's a it's another cool, interesting shakeup. I would love to see you know, uh, different teams on different tires too. But I mean, that would just open up the 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 drama of and the complaining to. Well, they only won because they got better tires. Well, that's you only won because you had a faster car. That's the well, sport. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm open to shaking shit up, man. I don't want to see Max win endlessly till 26. Like, and if we could get a shake up before 26, great. I'm all for it. Let's see what it brings. Yeah. What do you think, Bridgestone or no? You think just keep things the same? Oh man, that's a great. I think I'd rather see multiple tire manufacturers. Yeah, me too. Competing, competing for the best racing tire, yeah, and put it back into the the teams or the FIA purchase the tires again. And what about this? I just thought about this. We're doing sprint races and stuff now. You could start with doing mm-hmm. different tire compounds or different tire manufacturers in sprints versus non-sprints. Even if you wanted to to, to open it up that way. And, and see what it's like. 
Or what about a rotating? Ooh. Tire specific by manufacturers? Yeah. Interesting. Well, no, you know, like, okay, um, you've got 10 teams, and you take half of them, and half of them will run Bridgestone, and half of them will run Pirelli this race. Just randomly? Then the next race, they, then the next race, they swap them. Interesting. What I was thinking, to, I was thinking that you'd have idyllic, or you know, you would assign a tire manufacturer to design tires per circuit. So you'd get, you know, oh, it's is a, a, you know, Montreal is a high dig service, so let's do Bridgestones because there'll be, you know, it'll be a more optimal racing tire for that cir- that circuit. I'm kind of all for. Let me just let's make the drive. Let, I'm I'm kind of all for the driver bringing the competitiveness to the to the sport. Nah, I mean you don't and want in the car. You and, don't want them all to be the same. I think shake it up and like yeah, a good no, driver's would be I'm a good driver's in anything. I get Say, I get what you're saying. Well, no, you know, like if if you're a if you're the you know, we're talking about the best, the twenty best drivers, but to be the cream of that crop. Well, can you handle switching out different manufacturer tires race to race? Yeah. Can you adapt and maintain your competitiveness? And um, yeah. Well, the so, the the eighteen best drivers in Stroll and Sargent. Well, we'll we'll be following the Bridgestone, um, Pirelli tire war, future tire war. Yeah, tire gate. Put in the comments. Yeah, yeah. Put in the comments what uh, what it, you think about this tire deal. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll be sure to let you guys know um, on the next podcast or or when when more news becomes available. Um, yeah, we got. What do we have? Our next race is on the thirtieth. Through the second in Austria. Gonna be a good Hi, one. by golly. All right, and we'll, we'll see you for hopefully maybe a a race, uh definitely a race preview for Austria. Look forward for that coming out. And we'll uh we'll see you guys then. Yeah, baby. Later. Later.